Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. Hey guys, what's up? Jamie back with the Changemakers podcast and you guys, I'm, I'm excited today because uh, I don't know if any of you guys have noticed, some of you may have cottoned on, maybe seen in the show notes, the descriptions, the call to actions, but recently we've been doing something a little different, a little pop-up-y, a little private and uh, these little private podcasts have been really, really exciting and we've been able to put them together for you guys through this amazing company called Transistor.fm. And I've been so, so excited and so keen to get the hosts on the show because I really wanted to just get you guys introduced, help you to understand how amazing the software was, but really learn about the story behind Transistor and really just to talk about their business and how they've been growing it. Um, it's actually an amazing team of two people. We've got Justin Jackson with us today and his partner, John, the co-founders of Transistor.fm. They're actually still a two-person team, even considering the fact that they've now passed over well over seven figures. And he actually shared a second ago that they've grown by nearly three. 300% every single year. That's like tripling your business every year. That's pretty good. So please guys, welcome to the show. Justin, what's going on, dude? Welcome to the show. Hey, that was that's a that's a great intro. Well, wow. I like to high, come high out energy, with some energy right off the top. I figured if I go big, you know, no one wants to go home. That's that's hopefully the plan with the podcast, right? Nobody go home. It's true. It's true. And you know what? High energy makes people feel good. Oh. And that's part, that's one of the jobs of a podcast is to make people feel good. So yeah, well done. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Share me compliments. I love that. Justin, I'm, I'm super <laughs> curious off the bat, and this is just a weird tangent question. You obviously facilitate a lot of podcasters. Do you get invited to come on a lot of podcasts all the time? Cause, cause you guys are like the hosts. Yeah. Yeah. We get quite a bit. Um, John doesn't like doing it as much. Uh, even like I, I co-host a show, a show with John that we've done since the beginning. So even before we were making any money, like we just signed the partnership documents and I said, well, John, we got to do a show and he'd never done a podcast before. So that, that part was fun. And, uh, yeah, we, the show was great, especially when the business was ascendant because that's, kind of where things are the most interesting, especially if you're tuning in every week. Uh, and I think now we're probably in our sunset phase. And uh, so J John hasn't been wanting to do the show as much as he used to. And so I've been guesting on a lot of shows. I've been, uh, and actually even randomly, just uh, like if I get into a fight on Twitter, my new kind of default is to DM that person and ask if they want to do a, a call. And I've done that a couple times now, and I've just really found those conversations enjoyable. And then I release those as podcast episodes. So yeah, I, I, I usually find like if I've had a week, but definitely every couple of days, I like to be on a podcast or make a video or something. And it, it's definitely correlated with me feeling good. So when I do those things, when I'm on a show, when I'm having conversations, uh, when I'm putting something out into the world, I feel good. So yeah, I'm, I, I love doing this stuff, uh, even though I get to do it a lot. 
there's something really powerful about doing things that you love. And uh, yeah, I definitely second that just connecting with people and coming on podcasts, like crazy growth just comes personally from doing that. But also, you know, it does make you feel good. It's like, especially nowadays where it's kind of hard to go and have a coffee with somebody and meet up with them in the high street and just have a conversation. It's really yeah. therapeutic, right? Yeah. And actually for me, and maybe this is similar for you because you're in Costa Rica, I moved to this little ski town in British Columbia. And my fear when I moved here was, how am I going to get some of that serendipity that I had when I was in Edmonton and, you know, there's pe lots of people and I was working downtown. How am I going to get that here? And I was working remotely for a software company. And that's when I started my first podcast was, well, what's stopping me from having conversations with the best product people in the world? And, um, you know, I made a list, my friend Kyle and I decided to, to do it together. And we made a list of, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if we could get all of these people on the show? And uh, when was that? That was 2012. So eight years later, you know, a lot of those people are my friends. Definitely, I would not be where I am today if it hadn't been for that podcast. Because the connections that I made and the things that I learned and the way my worldview got opened up uh, all happened because of that show and so i for me podcasting is more than just connecting with an audience in some ways like i mean i do like that part but in some ways the you know meeting you having a conversation with you is worth it in of itself even if this never gets released having a weekly call with my co-founder where we have to be the best versions of ourselves <laughs> and talk through hard issues is worth it, even if nobody listens. Getting to meet and connect and have conversation with some of the most incredible people in the world and have them open up about their lives and their business and whatever else is going on in a way that you don't often get, um, that's all incredible. So, uh, you know, we see a lot of people signing up for podcasts. And a lot of people are concerned about download numbers and things like that. And my goal is to get people excited about all of the other stuff. And then if you get some downloads, it's just a bonus because all of the other stuff is probably what's going to make the difference in your life. It's not going to be getting a million downloads so you can be the next Joe Rogan. It's probably going to be you meet this person, they introduce you to someone else, they invite you to go to a conference, you all hang out together, and then that's John Buddha and he becomes your co-founder in 2018, right? That's, that's, I think the, the, the best possible outcome for doing stuff like this. It's just putting yourself out into the world, connecting with people. And, uh, that's kind of it, right? Like any downloads or listeners you get, if anyone's listening to this right now, <laughs> like that's a bonus, right? Yeah. That's just, that's just a bonus. I find that fascinating and uh, I really want to dig into your Twitter argument comment a second ago because I think that's okay. super fascinating. But um, I, I really want to emphasize I agree with you so much. And, you know, inside of our business, we teach so many people about how to podcast to grow the business. And that's always been our focus. It's about it's the relationship you're building with the person you're interviewing that is going to yeah. spawn so much more than the 100, 200, 1,000 people that are going to be listening to that episode. So it's great 100%. to hear you echo that. Yeah. And also, I mean, it would be, it's also fine. 
you know, we have uh, some people in the real estate business that have a podcast and, you know, he was one of our first customers and I, I was going through his stats with him the first month and I'm like, oh man, he only got a hundred downloads. I, you know, and this is so new in the business and I'm like, oh, we're going to probably lose him and uh, got on the call and he's like, I'm so excited. He's like, I got a hundred listens and two new clients from the show. And for him, that perfect. This is more than worth it just to connect with those two people. And maybe that's the part I didn't mention is, yeah, your listeners, the people that do show up and that you have a connection with that are listening to this right now while they wash the dishes or while they go on a walk or while they're in their car. And they might listen every week. They might listen, you know, numerous times. They build a rapport with you and I mean, I can tell you how many listeners have helped us in our business as well. Um, so, and it goes both ways, you know, every once in a while, a listener will reach out to us and say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm trying to do and can help us. We can't help everybody, but we're able to help folks the other way too. It's a, it's a asynchronous interactive medium, meaning it's not real time. It's not like streaming and you're getting tons of hearts or uh, comments that whiz by it's it's much more asynchronous and but to me it makes the responses and the interaction worth that much more so if someone tweets at you after an episode that you've made it right if someone takes the time to find your email address and write you an email you've done something special because that is, it's almost like we we overemphasize these low friction activities like oh i really hope i get 2000 likes it's like a like has there's, it's super easy to, to just click and it means nothing. It means nothing to the person giving it and it means nothing to the receiver. It's just like this incremental, you know, it's like tiny little dopamine hit. But if someone listens to an episode in their car and they're like, oh, as soon as I, got, I get back, I've got to write Justin an email, that means something. That means it's actually worth something. It's not just something that, uh, you know, is going to go away right away. It, it, it actually has some substance to it. And I think we've overemphasized in our culture things that actually don't matter that much. Uh, the, the, the metrics that don't matter, where the real metric is, if you're putting out a show, A, do you enjoy it? B, are you connecting with interesting people? And three, if you really care about listeners, are they responding in some way? And that might mean they leave you a review. That might mean they send you an email or tweet or a comment or whatever. But when they do that, uh, that is just so special because it takes work. It's not easy. And there's all sorts of folks in podcasting, especially that want to make it easier. They want to build apps where we get hearts and other things. And, and I'm like, no, you, you, you don't realize that that short-term gain stuff doesn't help anybody. What helps people is someone taking the time to write an email. What helps people is connecting with someone on Skype and talking something out. That's what helps. And uh, that's in some ways why I'm so excited about the medium. I think it's just so different than everything else that's out there. And everyone else is addicted to this real-time feedback. And I'm just saying, let's chill out for a bit. Let's just... <laughs> let's sit back let's just and... Let's ease into this. Yeah. Go let's steady. Just, let's, yeah. And I think there are ways people can interact. Like right now, for example, if anyone is washing the dishes, 
I think you should reach out to either of us, you know, tweet us or Facebook or whatever. Say, hey, that was me. I was washing the dishes. And I thought, whoa, how did he know? Right. Um, you can, that's one way to engage with folks. Just ask them where they're at at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's I just I love this whole for me, audio is unlike anything else. And I just I just love it. I just nothing impacts me as a listener, you know, when I'm listening to something great. And as a producer, it's just there's something about those uh, really high friction responses that are that are just incredible to get. Yeah, I'm super fascinated about this. And, and I'm going to I'm going to put a pin in the Twitter thing because I want to ask you a follow up question here because I'm mm-hmm. also super fascinated about audio as a medium. And what I'm, I'm kind of noticing a lot more is is creative ways that people are using audio. I love what mm-hmm. Transistor has done with the private podcast. We've been doing something mm-hmm. we call pop-up podcast using that medium for a while now, um, which is oh, essentially cool. like a challenge or a webinar, you know, getting people to go from our podcast into our products. And it's been an absolute game changer. You know, our webinars used to get 10% show up rate. Now with like the private feeds, they're getting like 60 and 70% of people consuming them. And I, oh, wow. I'm really interested about this kind of dynamic in different ways that people are using audio. So I'm, I'm a little bit curious and, and I want to delve into, you know, about how you've grown the business and what you've done with Transistor, you know, to build it to where it's at today. But I'm mm. curious because I'm still exploring ways to use audio to grow our following and our brand. Um, do you mm-hmm. currently use audio in any ways to, to kind of actively uh, grow Transistor as a business? I know you mentioned you had a podcast. Yeah, so far, it's primarily been through our show and then me going on other people's shows. And I think uh, private podcasting is interesting. I think there's a lot of ways we could use that as a brand, especially because when with private podcasting, the way we've built it is each subscriber gets their own feed. So this opens up a world of possibility that we didn't have before. Like for example, one thing, we're thinking about building in 2021 is um, drip RSS feeds. So if you get a, your own RSS feed, there's no reason that we can't have some sort of triggered release or cadenced release of episodes. So you sign up for the training and you get episode one. There's only one episode in your feed. And then you listen to that. We detect that there's a listen that triggers the release of the next episode the next day. So you don't get 100 episodes all at once. You get them kind of uh, dripped out to you as you go along. And then there's actually even the possibility that you could make it interactive, uh, like a choose-your-own-adventure style show. Because when they get to the end, you could say, well, if, if you, know, you want to go this way, click this link, link A in the show notes. If you want to go the other way, click link B. So I think private podcasting is interesting to me. Uh, even actually uh, the way you can use, we just released a Zapier integration and there's just so many ways that you can get people into a private podcast now that I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of. Yeah, for me, okay. it's it's this exciting vehicle, right? It's this opportunity mm-hmm. to put the same content in front of your audience in a different way. And I, and I love what you're saying about the whole choose your own adventure, because we currently do this with active campaign. We have email mm. sequences that go out that are just like that, right? They click a mm. link, you send them into the next thing and it becomes yeah. this really custom experience, but really as a mm. marketer and, and just, I don't know if you identify as a marketer, but I certainly do. 
it's mm-hmm. really great to be able to give them those kind of custom solutions as they walk down the steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I I also think because um, I'm I'm a much more simple marketer now, and so um, like the idea of complex funnels and things like that don't excite me as much as they used to. Uh, it's fine. It's just I've I've changed, um, and I think. Audio is still a fascinating medium for just me to be thinking about the pod, the transistor brand and how we present it. And uh, so even for me, just the simple act of recording and releasing audio, whether it's on our show or other people's shows, um, whether it's me writing a blog post and then saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to make a little audio equivalent for this blog post and publishing that as a one-off and embedding that in um, in in the blog post for me just having like the actual content like actually getting out and um being a good guest or a good host having something interesting to say having a point of view is um that's a big part of it too and um we have we have people that say hey i heard you on Basecamp's podcast and i just resonated with your your philosophy so much that I decided to sign up. Now that might end up being 10% of our business. Most people find Transistor another way. They don't care about my personal brand. They don't care about, you know, any of that stuff. But that 10% is a, that's a really powerful group. They often end up being the people who refer you to other people. They're the people who are going to uh, advocate for you, who are going to give you great feedback, who are going to want to share that they're uh, a customer, you know? And so, uh, yeah, for me, like engaging with those folks through audio has been a good way to grow the business, Uh, even though it doesn't directly, uh, you know, it's not uh, attributable to ton of business, but yeah, probably 10, 15% of our business comes from me doing things like this or things on our own show. Yeah. For us, we call them the diehards, right? The, the diehard mm-hmm. fans that will just do anything and everything to get you in front of as many people as possible. And that's something mm-hmm. powerful about sharing that, you know, philosophies. And it's really that building that movement of people, right? Who want to do things differently. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, I think it's fine. I think you can build a business without having any sort of public persona. Um, And in some ways that might even be a better way to do it. I don't know, but there is something about this way that appeals to me. And um, I just like this idea of standing for something of having, of exploring ideas and putting those out into the world and having those ideas resonate with people and them saying, you know what? When my boss asks what podcasting platform we're going to use, I'm going to recommend Transistor. I just love what you're doing. And um, yeah, I think I, something about that is powerful and worth doing for me. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, yeah, you're right. There's going to be some people that resonate more than others. And they're your diehard fans. They might only give you, again, 10% of your business, but they're worth having. Uh, especially if brand becomes uh, kind of your hedge in a competitive environment like we're in. Feature-wise, we're just, there's nothing we can do to really jump ahead of the competition. There's just, it's, 
I think we have a great product. I think we've put a lot of work into usability and um, we're adding new features all the time, but we've had tons of stuff we've done copied and uh, I stuff that took us forever to figure out. And then, you know, someone can just easily see that it's working and come along and copy it. And so what's going to be our hedge then? I think features, sure, that's that could sh- still be a hedge. Um, but one thing they can't copy is they can't copy our culture. They can't copy our values. They can't copy our brand. They can't copy John and I and all of the decades of life experience connections that we bring to bear. And that's what we want to um, leverage more than anything is, uh, yes, you sign up for a transistor, you're going to get great software. You're going to get great customer support. But there's going to be a bunch of other stuff that is worth signing up for that's going to be attractive to you that's hopefully going to keep you as a customer for a long time. No, I'm a big fan. And and I think there's something to be said as well for enjoyment, right? You know, it, it's one thing to build a super hyper successful, profitable nine figure brand. But at mm-hmm. the same time, if you can build a business that will thrive and give you everything you need, but you can also enjoy the process, right? The culture of it. Yeah. And, uh, and that actually brings me back to that question about Twitter arguments, because I'm super mm-hmm. curious to know um, somebody that mentions Twitter arguments that probably indicates to me that that happens quite frequently and probably <laughs> means you're a little bit polarizing, which I love. What sort of stuff do you end up like squabbling with people about on Twitter? I love that. Uh, so the last big squabble was me and Jason Freed, who's the CEO of Basecamp, who's a friend of mine. Um, but I think that the most important decision an entrepreneur makes is the market that they choose. The market you're in will determine most of your growth. That's uh, something that Sahil from Gumroad said, and I think it it just encapsulates it perfectly. Uh, and I the way the metaphor I've used is business is a lot like surfing. So good surfers spend a lot of time in the water, paddling learning to recognize weather patterns, learning to recognize the size and shape of waves that they might be able to ride. And what I see, what I think I'm seeing in entrepreneurship is a lot of folks just settling for whatever wave comes their way. Oh, this one looks okay. And then they get on it and it's too flat. Or, oh, this one looks awesome, but it's a tsunami. There's no way they're going to ride it. And Uh, In the same way that I'm going to ride different waves than Kelly Slater, um, I think entrepreneurs need to look at the size and shape of waves, match that up with their skills, every advantage that they bring to bear, and go after waves. Be strategic in going after waves that are right for you. If you're surfing all day and you're going after every little thing, you're going to tire yourself out. You're never going to hit the wave that's right for you. And um, and so along with that, uh, I think the being able to recognize the wave before you go after it is important. And I think the same is true for business. So, and to me, the wave is market demand. So as you're looking, and this happened for us in podcasting, I've been in podcasting since 2012, And for a lot of those years, podcasting did not seem like a good market. Lots of DIYers, lots of hobbyists, 
lots of people who didn't want to spend money. And then 2016, 2017, the tide starts to change. I can see that something is building. Momentum is building. And the reason I noticed the wave is because, yeah, I was passionate about podcasting. I was in the water, right? I wasn't at home playing Xbox. I was in the water. I was paddling around. Um, I was part of podcast forums and podcast paid podcast newsletters and all sorts of stuff. So I'm in the water and I recognize that this wave's coming. And I felt like, um, you know, this, this could be something here. There could be something here. And then when John contacted me and said he was thinking the same thing, I said, okay, well, we got to do this then. You know, this, this just seems like a good opportunity for us to pursue. Whereas the other things I tried in the past, you know, they were, they were reasonable waves, but they were short-lived. And um, I didn't think a lot about the market. How many people want this today? How many people are going to want this tomorrow? How many people are going to line up again for this the day after that? And uh, that is market demand. It's like how many people are out there that are searching for this. And podcasting is just a great example because a lot of people find us by just typing in podcast hosting into Google, right? They're searching for something specific. <laughs> uh, and so we can, you know, we can literally track the interest in that, you know, how our searches in for podcast hosting going up or down. They went way up at the beginning of the pandemic. April, May, we had crazy months. Uh, and so did everyone selling podcast microphones and podcast recording software and everyone was up, right? What caused that? That's market demand. All of a sudden, there was all this latent demand. People that secretly wanted to start a podcast or had been thinking about it, but they had no time and space to do it, suddenly have the ability to do it. So that latent demand gets pushed into active demand and the wave got bigger in April and May. And uh, so I think this is, this is the key. Jason uh, just thinks about things differently than me. And, um, uh, and his way of thinking is really attractive to designers and developers who want to build things first. So he likes to build things that he wants and that he's passionate about. And then the market's either there or it's not. And it works for him, partly because he got lucky with Basecamp. So his first thing that he launched um, was very successful. And if your first thing that you launch is really successful, that, that helps because now you've got lots of margin to try other things and see what happens. And, and it's still uh, arguably the most successful thing that they have. Uh, and for me, the, the most interesting part is actually not as much building the thing as it is uh, looking at the market, connecting with the market, figuring out why do people buy, connecting with people, uh, customers that I like. Um, and that, that, that's probably why I'm drawn to this whole philosophy in the first place, right? So I think that was the, when we got on the microphones, what, what, what uh, revealed itself is we just have a different preference based on our experience, this is probably every argument that's ever happened in the world. <laughs> we have a different preference based on our experience. We emphasize certain things 
more than the other person, even though we actually agreed that they were all important. For him, the emphasis is more on building things you want to build and then seeing what the market says and controlling your costs so you have a lot of margin. On my side, and partly because I had a lot of ideas that just didn't work right off the bat or were short-lived, when it came to doing Transistor, I was like, no, this has got to be a good opportunity. I'm not going to bring myself through all that hell again uh, to launch something that's mediocre or short-lived or whatever. I want to know. And um, it was also informed by my friends. I had a couple friends who kind of opened my eyes uh, and opened their checkbook to show me what they had inside. And um, I just realized that market matters. <laughs> you know, like I, uh, one of my friends, Taylor Otwell, has written one of the most popular programming frameworks for um, PHP. PHP is kind of an old, crusty programming language. But PHP has, an, has a benefit, has an advantage, in that there's millions of people that use it. Millions and millions and millions of businesses and individuals make their living with PHP. And so for him, and my guess is that even if you spent $25,000 per programmer, PHP programmer in the world, that's billions of dollars being spent just on salaries. And so for him to build a multi-million dollar business off that, billions of dollars are being spent just on salaries. All he has to do is shave off some of that demand and have that in his business. And that's millions of dollars. And I see too many people, I know this is popular, but I, that are talking about niching down, find a little tiny niche. And niche, there's some semantics here. Uh, some people say niche just means reasonably focused. That's probably okay. But often people say, well, no, I'm going to build this tiny little business. Like it just needs to, just needs, I just need 20 customers. And even for indie bootstrapping entrepreneurs, uh, 20 is probably not going to be enough because you're going to need another 20 and another 20 and another 20. Even for the coffee shop down the street, they need to sell hundreds of cups of coffee every day, right? And so every day, my friend Andrew, who owns a shop right here, has to open his door and there has to be a lineup of people ready to buy coffee. And I see a lot of folks starting businesses where there's just no demand or very little. And um, I think you can, you can make do if you are doing consulting or some other things that are really, um, you know, there's a, a lot of sales. You can have less, less leads, less demand. But for software especially, and a lot of digital products, digital products are mostly about volume. And so if they're mostly about volume, that means you're probably going to need hundreds of trials or hundreds of leads. And, you know, you're going to convert a percentage of those and you're going to have a, a percentage that don't buy from you anymore and cancel. And um, it just, <laughs> for me, the, the feeling of riding a wave and going, wow, there's a lot here. Like day after day, there's just more energy in this wave. And I don't have to start over again. Like I don't have to like have the wave die and then me go, okay, well, I got to go back out in the water and look for another wave. I'm just riding this wave. There's no guarantees on how long it'll last, but the feeling is so different than other things I've done. 
And so, uh, yeah, for me, that's what I emphasize. And I think the arguments on Twitter are mostly people getting tired of me talking about it. But it was so significant to me that um, I felt like I just couldn't shut up about it. Well, I, I definitely want to re- echo this. And, and people in my audience will be laughing right now because they'll notice that five weeks ago, I was like, hey, I just started surfing and now we're chatting about surfing. So that's very exciting. <laughs> Perks of living in Costa Rica now is you can't live here and not surf. So definitely yeah. was leveling all of the analogies there and following along and being like, yeah, my identity is kind of marketer slash surfer now. I'm getting towards that. But, <laughs> but definitely like echoing what you say, this is something that I talk about constantly when it comes to market. And, you know, it, it's hilarious to think about. I, I remember an old story that someone told me once about, you know, shifting from the stock market, trading the stock market, shifting to Forex, because it literally was like a hundred times the size of the market. And he just mm. needs to shave off that tiny thing. It was something mm-hmm. like, you know, 800 billion a day traded in the stock market and like 70 trillion in the Forex market or something mm-hmm. along. Those numbers are way off guys, but you know, to give you an example. So definitely, yeah. I'm definitely resonating with that. So Justin, you've talked about market demand. You've talked about, you know, a little bit about what, um, is kind of important to you with podcasting. And I really want to shift gears a little bit and to talk a little bit about what it was like um, starting off with Transistor and just those first couple of surges of growth and and how you got that Mm. initial boost. Because, and and just to pre-frame and help you understand why I'm asking this, I know a lot of people right now are looking at SaaS models. A lot of people see um, software as a service as a huge vehicle for for kind of exponential growth. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know a bit about what that was like, because you guys are bootstrappers, just like most of the people listening to this. So can you take Mm -hmm. us through that a little bit? Yeah. So again, just like it's a little bit unfair for Kelly Slater to say, well, here's how you surf (laughs) is, you know, you start when you're 10 and then you there's there are a ton of life events that contributed to Kelly Slater being a great surfer. And likewise for John and I, there's a bunch of things that we bring to bear that um, helped us. And I think that's really the first lesson is, uh, and we were older. We felt, I, I remember when we started Transistor and I tried some other things. I just come out of uh, a really hard personal time and was feeling not great, but hopeful. But I was kind of like to John, I was like, this is like my Rocky. Like if this doesn't work, I'm out, you know? And he reminded me that there was like four other movies of Rocky after the first one, but (laughs) that, you know, I, I just felt tired, you know? And, but it turns out, uh, being 40 or close to 40 at the time, uh, had its advantages for us. We had just decades of experience decades of relationships, decades of audience, people that were following us, decades of skills, and uh, and have learning what really matters and what's just kind of like extra cruft. So we were be- able to bring all of that when we started. And uh, we had a great first customer. Uh, John was working for Cards Against Humanity and they became our first customer. So we knew we had one. And after that, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? So we opened up early access in February. And I think we got, yeah, you know, a handful of trials then and some paying customers. I think we had, let's see here. Yeah, like 15 paying customers in early access, something like that, maybe more. And we're building up to launch in August. We launched, had a spike, and then it kind of gradually went down. So... Between uh, 
my personal audience that I'd been building up forever and John's contacts and my newsletter and everything else, you know, we, I can't remember exactly how many customers we had at the time, but it was like, I think when we, we were, oh yeah, we were at $700 in recurring revenue before we launched. And I'm like, okay, if we double this, that would be great. And I think we ended up getting to $2,000, but then it's like, what's going to happen now? And uh, the real traction was when it went beyond our personal circle, when it went beyond my personal audience, when it went, when we started to be able to tap into the thousands of people that are searching for podcasting, podcast hosting. How do I make a podcast? How do I upload a podcast to Apple Podcasts? And um, that's when we really started to grow. Uh, and yeah, that that kind of if there was a if there was a dip after launch, uh, I think we really started to hit an inflection point in November, December of that year, and then it was just like it just grew and grew and grew and grew, and then it yeah it felt like wow we're riding the wave like here we go you know, and uh, it was it's not like it was hard like we have the the benefit of me uh, <laughs> of us journaling this whole thing on the podcast right so i can't really lie um i remember writing an article in july okay right before we launched going how is this going to happen like i i was thinking that you know i used one of these forecasting tools i'm like okay we get to 1500 mrr when we launch how long will it take us to get to kind of default alive 20k 10k each a month in revenue and the model spit out this number that would take five years. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. You know, it's just going to be too long. And uh, we ended up hitting that number in by the, by the end of that year. Uh, no, by August of that year. So it happened way faster. And uh, the, the hard part with SaaS is that at the beginning, it's like, okay, I got $700 a month. And I was like, okay, I got $1,500 a month. So you've doubled, but it doesn't feel great. Okay, I got 3,000. Great, 6,000, okay. And then you hit 10K and it's like, oh, okay, this is, now things are happening. And if it continues to grow, you get that compounding growth because you're not, you're not having to replace all that revenue every month. Most of the revenue stays if you've got a good product and a good market. And so- you know, the next month you've still got most of the money from the month before, uh, but you've got more money, uh, new money, and then it just keeps adding to itself um, to the point where, um, yeah, I think we both hit our our like comfortable margin of like financial wealth uh, this year for sure. Uh, we are we're not like multimillionaires, but we are very comfortable and uh we have a really good lifestyle and um when SaaS works it is just one of the best business models ever especially for independence because instead of having to you know in consulting you've got to go out every quarter and have find new clients with uh info products and courses and things like that you have to constantly be launching and um and that can be a good market too. By the way, my my friend Adam Wathen sells one-time uh, digital products, 
Um, and if you can make enough sales when you launch, then that can be a great market. I would love to have his business. Uh, but SaaS is great in the sense that it's just every month, month after month, it grows and it grows and you serve customers and you take care of them. And even if you had 20 cancellations one week, you're still fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I, Justin, I want to get a little tactical here because a lot of people listening to this right now watch that growth curve and they say, wow, that's exciting. I know you talked a lot about market demand, getting the right market, having experience, having that great product, have the word of mouth. What, mm-hmm. were, what were the tactical things you were doing to actually get that growth and to put it out there? I know you mentioned you said you were doing the podcast and some articles as well. What did mm-hmm. that look like? Yeah, so I mean, for most products, um, people are searching for it. That's how most, like this is why DTC, like direct-to-consumer is a little bit confusing to me because direct-to-consumer, I've seen my wife buy things on Instagram, but there's no loyalty there. She's like, she'll see something and order it and then, you know, often forget about it. And then if it gets delivered, it's a miracle. (laughs) And, you know, it's not like, I don't, I can't think of any time where it's like, that DTC brand that she saw on Instagram ended up becoming like a lifetime, she became a lifetime consumer. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but there's, so that's one way to build a business. You can just run ads and make them super attractive and, you know, people go, oh, I want that now. Um, But for us, a lot of it has been demonstrated demand. Like people are demonstrating their demand every day by going out and searching for something going out and asking in forums, going out and asking on Reddit, how do I start a podcast? How do I make a podcast? Who, how can I start a podcast with multiple shows so I don't have to pay for every show I add? You know, like We can address all of those things. And uh, search uh, engine optimization is competitive, like optimizing your site for that. Uh, it's competitive mostly because you got to write good content and then you got to update it all the time. But I like doing that. So this was a good channel for us. And then uh, in partnership with that, we have affiliates who also have uh, websites or audiences or newsletters. And they uh, recommend our product to people who are asking. And then they get a pretty sizable commission. They get 25% ongoing of revenue. So that was another interesting one is that... Uh, I think the 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 uh, there's a what's the word um, at the beginning there's a temptation to be cheap mm-hmm. and so it's like we don't have any money we're going to share twenty five percent of revenue with these people and on it like I write those checks every month and it hurts a little bit but. It's like compared to advertising where you're at, you're putting down thousands of dollars and you're just like, hope this works. You know, um, this is people who have used their audience, um, connected you with their audience, I should say. And um, they're inviting you to connect with that audience. And so it makes sense. And it actually feels good to, to share revenue with them. So helping other people be successful when they recommend your product I think has been really helpful for us. Uh, we, we have, I still think one of the most generous affiliate programs 
And uh, yeah, it feels good. It As feels an affiliate, like- I agree. I That was one of the biggest attractors. And, you know, full disclosure, we, we were using Simplecast before and mm. cool platform, you know, very easy to use, you know, looked really polished compared to Libsyn, which you'd be using before. Yeah. But like just paid like 25 bucks on anybody you referred. And we sent them hundreds of customers. And yes, we made some money, but I was like, we're not building any long-term, you know, commitment or connection here. And it's really just a, a little cherry on top of the cake that you, you can't really do anything with it, the business. Yeah. And, uh, that's actually, inter- that's an interesting point is that affiliates are very motivated to not only uh, switch their business to you, but also to just tell other folks about you all the time. They're very vocal. Um, and there's this additional benefit is that yeah, every time an affiliate writes an article about us or writes a review about us, that helps our SEO. So it's a very um, win-win partnership for us. Um, so yeah, that's been those have been both very helpful. And I'm just I am I I like this stuff. So I'm just like all about marketing is really just connecting with people who have a need, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. They're out there. They're already saying, like, I want to start a podcast. I think where some people get mistaken is they go, oh, I need to connect with people that don't know about podcasting yet. I'm not as interested in that. I'm interested in people who are in motion. Mm -hmm. This is why I think market demand is the most important thing you need to look for, because you want to see people who have proven that they're already moving. They're doing the hard work of getting out of inertia, pushing themselves forward in a direction. They're like, today's the day I'm going to order a microphone off of Amazon and I'm going to figure out how this works. And um, you want to reward those folks that are out searching with, you know, your solution that works. To me, that's marketing. And so um, broadly, it's SEO and affiliates that drive a lot of our business. But there's also just me showing up every day answering questions on Reddit, answering questions in Facebook groups, answering people's emails, answering customer support, uh, tweeting tips for people, writing a blog post about 10 ways you can promote your podcast that no one's thought of yet, uh, helping new customers when they sign up. Sometimes I'll just, I try to listen to as many new shows as I can and I'll listen to a new show and I'll be like, ah, this is so good and no one knows about it yet. And I want to do their marketing for them. And so I'll submit them to Podacy, which is a a podcast uh, recommendation service that's really good. I'll submit them to Podhunt. I'll submit them to Podchaser. You know, I'll do all those things for them. And uh, that can be helpful. And going back to that 10%, that those super fans, uh, sometimes asking favors from them. Uh, so saying, hey, we don't have any reviews on Capterra. Can you go and write us a review? Hey, um, you know, it, you've, you posted this big Twitter thread about how you love Transistor. That's so helpful. Thanks. Uh, you know, what would be really helpful is if you publish it on your blog, way more people are going to find it and it really helps us get noticed. And uh, yeah, those super fans are more than happy often to do those things for you, especially if you keep rewarding them too. Like I try to help out those people uh, whenever I can. So all of that machine is what works for us. Uh, and we, it's, it's, it's actually not very sophisticated in an, like I mentioned in an automation way, we don't have a lot of funnels. 
We don't have, um, we have an email newsletter that we send, but um, I don't do a ton of work trying to get people to download a PDF and get on the email newsletter or anything. I, uh, yeah, it's mostly just investing in those kinds of things like search, content, answering questions, good customer support, making affiliates happy. And it's like 99% of marketing. And as a marketer, it pains me to say this, but 99% of marketing is just choosing the right market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like in my small town, there's a bubble tea place. Nothing wrong with bubble tea, but the demand for bubble tea here is just not very high. And so they could come to me and they could say, well, what should I do to market bubble tea? Should we do a re-education campaign, like telling people how it tastes great? And, uh, and I would just say, just sell coffee because there's already proven demand. And they might say, well, that's, that's, uh, uh, there's tons of people selling coffee. It's like, yeah, Good. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's easy, but all you have to do is there's, I don't know, in this town, there's 30,000 cups of coffee being drunk every day. And right now you're selling five cups of bubble tea. So the, the way to, to win is to go after what people are doing, what they want, what they're going to line up for. And then as a marketer, you're just channeling that energy. And it's actually, you know, I've had products where I've tried to squeeze every last drop of juice out of that thing. And you get more and more sophisticated with your marketing as that happens. It's like, I got to add this and this and this and this. And it's just to squeeze juice like a little bit out. Whereas when the demand is great, all you're doing is channeling that energy. And it's way more fun. <laughs> it's like, what are people searching for? Well, I'll just write an article on that. And that's all I have to do. Um, and yeah, our funnel is very short. It's basically start a trial, credit card up front, and then you get 14 days to try it. And uh, we're, most of what we do is just try to get you to the point of signing up for a trial. There's no like, not a ton of long tail stuff, not a ton of like drip campaigns leading up to anything. It's just like, you want to start a podcast. We know it. Here's a chance for you to try it. We're going to give you the best service we can in those first 14 days. And when this <laughs> trial's over, uh, your credit card's going to get charged and hope you like it. You know, like that's, that's the, that's the whole uh, way we've grown our business. But most of that is because a lot of people want podcasting right now. It's going to be a lot harder to sell if podcasting isn't something that people want. And listening to everything you've been talking about, Justin, and some takeaways for me is this idea of, you know, very, a very wholesome, a very measured, a very safe and predictable business. And also at the same time, that, that structure, that safety, that consistency strapped to this big wave that is continually growing. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I love so much about everything you're talking about is this principle of keep it simple, you know, do what people want you know, track what yep. people want, keep up with that demand. And, you know, you can build a super successful business on the back end of it. Yeah. Yes. I actually think simplicity. So all the businesses I've tried to start that didn't work out, they got complicated when I got desperate. I, when I was in my early twenties, I started a couple snowboard and skateboard shops and, um, and I didn't think about the market. It's like, 
all my friends are dirtbags. They never spend money on gear, right? They get gear secondhand if they can. They'll keep us their same board for three or four years. You know, I just, I just changed my board just this year. I've had that board, my snowboard, for 15 years. <laughs> I haven't changed it. 15 years. Like, that's, that's, it's just not a great market. And uh, what, you know, when it was dying and I didn't want to admit it, that's when I started to apply all sorts of complexity, all sorts of like, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to start a, a local business association and we're going to uh, have a shop local campaign. And maybe we'll also become a distributor and then we'll start a magazine and that might help drive traffic. And we'll like, do, you know, it's just like stacking. And to me, that is the smell the complexity smell is the smell of ugh, actually maybe your fundamentals are not that good. And uh, it's one reason I'm so passionate about this idea of market because the market is the wave that carries you. It's not like the entrepreneur is creating all that demand. They don't create any of the energy. We don't create the wave. We just ride them. And so um, we have the ability to choose which wave we're going to paddle out to, but you do not have a wave making machine and we need to stop uh, pretending that we do. And so what do I do when podcasting, the podcasting wave recedes? Well, I'm either going to have to be okay with losing revenue or being in an adjacent business or hopping on another wave. That's really all we can do is, and maybe podcasting just becomes like website hosting or hotels or any of these other categories that have been around for a long time. And it's just like, yeah, you know, if you're the Hilton, you just like keep running your business every year. And uh, in most years, not COVID years, but most years, business is kind of like, this is what we can expect, right? You're not going to do anything revolutionary that's suddenly going to give you 90% of the market. But you're, if you're the Hilton, you just like wake up every day, you know, people want to stay in hotels, you try to uh, go and meet them where they're at. And that's all you can do, right? That's all you can do. And uh, where a lot of businesses get themselves into trouble, they, you know, the, the main business isn't enough or they get desperate and then they start grasping for all sorts of other things, whether it's some sort of sophisticated marketing technique um, or it's, you know, uh, some crazy business idea or something. Like I, I, I still don't sleep great but I sleep way better now with a business that's just working than I did when I thought I was at my most creative. I'm like always oh, coming up with ideas and like waking up in the middle of the night and like, Oh wow, here we go. And it turns out like I was just anxious and, you know, just grasping for something. Whereas uh, having, I mean, you can only know so much before you, you take the plunge, but you know, looking at, the fundamentals of a market and going, okay, well, that looks pretty good. Maybe I'll go into that. I think I can win there. Um, I think that's the best approach. Perfect. I love it. Justin, this has been a super fun interview for me. Um, again, big, big fan of Transistor. We use it all the time. Um, if you guys want to go check out Transistor, you can go to transistor.fm. If you guys want to check it out with my affiliate link, you're welcome to do that. You can go to changemakersmovement.com forward slash transistor. We do this really cool thing where we, uh, we help you figure out how to do a pop-up podcast. So if you sign up, we'll send you that funnel as well. But Justin, oh, if cool. people want to find out more about you, they want to get involved in all of the stuff you've got going on, maybe even listen to your podcast, where's the best place to send them? Uh, so you can 
listen to my Twitter rants uh, at I'm M I Justin, the letter M, the letter I Justin there. And yet we have a podcast called Build Your SaaS, S-A-A-S. And I write at justinjackson.ca and send uh, a Saturday morning newsletter most of the time, not all the time, but uh, if you want to get on that, set justinjackson.ca. Justin, love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Super fascinating to hear about how you built Transistor, the philosophy. You and John have been doing an incredible job. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for cheering us on. We really appreciate that, actually. That means a lot to us. No worries. And guys, if you're listening to the show right now and you're thinking, wow, this idea of a pop-up podcast sounds cool, I've actually got a three one for you to go and check out. And it's all about how you can go and monetize your podcast and how we helped our students generate nearly $6 million in revenue just in the last 12 months. If you want to go check that out, head to changemakersmovement.com forward slash five days. That's the number five, D-A-Y-S, and we'll be happy to help you out. And uh, if you enjoyed this interview, then please let us know. Drop us a review. Come say hi on Instagram at Jamie Atkinson. Let me know what you think. And guys, we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.